Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Korean Nomad. I am absolutely fascinated by this next guest, uh, Benedict Howard. He is a longevity expert, and you know I've been watching a lot of the whole Chris Hemsworth thing over on Disney Plus about longevity. So I think this is gonna be fascinating, a fascinating conversation on how to live longer and how to live better longer. Because really, at the end of the day, we don't want to be somewhere, you know, not really living our lives as we do as we live our lives, right? So without further ado, here comes Benedict. Welcome to the Creative Nomad Show. Your dark place for all you awesome creators out there who are itching for more than the everyday grind. Here's your host, J.B. And welcome back, folks. Benedict, welcome to the show. Please, <laughs> please, please, please introduce yourself. <laughs> well, thank you very much, JP, for having me on your nomad show, because that's kind of like the life I've been living. So <laughs> it's totally appropriate. Um, wow. Let's see. Let's get into the longevity part of it, too, because I'm 72 years old now. So I've been like working out different longevity aspects, especially in nutrition and exercise, to facilitate me getting keeping healthy and getting even healthier. Um, a couple of days ago, I was up, I hiked up the summit of uh, Mauna Kea uh, to actually launch my podcast and do a pre-launch video up there at 14,000 feet. <laughs> and there was snow up there, so maybe you can relate over there in Detroit, right? <laughs> and um, <laughs> so there was a little snow up there, and it was really beautiful to just set that prayer and that intent and just to be up there in the middle of the Pacific, you know, thousands of miles away from any, everywhere. Or everywhere, not anywhere, everywhere. <laughs> and um, so that's what I've been doing, actually using that hiking as being a gauge for my fitness. And um, I started doing it in 19, in 20, 2019. And um, when my son came over here for a quick visit and I had jokingly said, hey, hey, Ryan, would you like to hike up Mauna Kea? And he said, yeah, sure, Dad. <laughs> well, little did he know that it wasn't like playing video games. <laughs> and uh, we got up a few, uh, maybe a thousand feet from the visitor center, and that was it. But um, I've not had health all my life at all. Um, I've been striving for it, but um, when I was a kid, um, I tripped and fell and actually kinked my back up in between the shoulder blades, which led to chronic, mm, chronic pain. Um, going down my back, ringing in my ears, um, actually roaring in my ears at some times, and especially when I got blocked up. And so I've been like throughout my life seeking a solution to that which wasn't going under the surgeon's knife, who I never trusted even as a kid. And, um, and I never did trust a doctor. And um, so it really, um, it really helped me focus towards, you know, being accountable for my own health and not relying on others to tell me blah, 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 but listening and learning to listen to my body's systems and my body's reactions and how it, and what, etc. my body <laughs> and my mind, and uh, learning to juggle those two to, um, you know, get a clearer vision or clearer perspective on what I could achieve. And 
I started doing yoga decades ago now, and that was amazing because it was like it was a restorative type of yoga, Iyengar yoga, and um, it really helped me to loosen up in the lower back and then between the shoulders. And slowly, I began to unravel a little bit, and then my yoga teacher went back to India. Gabam, and um, but I had some of that relief and some of that knowledge that the body could get through whatever it needed to get through. And um, fast, fast forward, um, well, actually, at that time, I was working I was working for General Electric as a development engineer up in actually in Toronto. And um, I was in charge of a plant in a section of the plant where we were dealing with carcinogenic um, chemicals and uh, tungsten and cobalt powders and trichloroethylene. And uh, it was my job as an engineer there to try and keep the fit plant safe and keep the quality control up. And from time to time, we had massive spills in there. And uh, it wasn't nice. But prior to that, I'd been in underground in, in Canada a lot, designing new products. And that was really using the intuitive skills that I still had inherited from being a kid where, where I was clairaudient and clairvoyant. And somehow managed to to keep that going to a certain extent at that stage in my life. But after I quit engineering, uh, it wasn't for me. The corporate scene was not for me. Um, I realized that I needed to get out of there. And, uh, you know, trembling, I left. And uh, the whole world opened up for me over the decades. And I can't, I can't believe how different my life has turned out compared to what it was. So that led me to Africa. Talking about nomad, <laughs> I camped in uh, uh, 16 countries over, or was it, yeah, it was like 16 countries over, I think it was like close on 20,000 kilometers um, over a period of like nine months, staying at times with different tribes, um, deep in the Sahel in the, with the Tuareg, uh, down in uh, the Congo with the Turi Pygmies. Um, where we went deep into the forest with the with the Turi pygmies, with the towering trees that went up, oh, hundreds and hundreds of feet, and um, saw how they lived, and that was really interesting. Talking nomad again, because that's what they do. You know, it was like a no footprint tribe. They wow. everything that they built was just built out of pieces of wood or saplings and big leaves which made like little huts and they lived in there and then they would hunt out that area in the forest and then move on to the next area and that's how they lived and it was just it was my first real um access into how we could be on the planet you know with a zero footprint like they had and of course the genocidal you know, wannabes, um, not wannabes, the genocidal rulers of this earth wanted to wipe them out and, and uh, they retreated further and further back into the, into the rainforest. When I came out of Africa, I was in shell shock, basically. <laughs> it was like it was so difficult for me to reorientate back into society here. Nonetheless, you know, over time it happened. And um, what I found myself doing was doing more and more research, which I'd been doing as a kid, into the metaphysics. And I'd studied metaphysics since I was about 15, I guess. Spent tons and tons of time in the local library, going through the stacks, looking through old ancient books, um, 
and trying to grasp what was good and what was bad and why was it that there was all of this sort of masonic lodge of all of these symbols and this that and the other on top of them and trying to work that out and essentially in in a sense I've, that's been my journey is to combine that metaphysics into a very um higher use of the metaphysics not with the dark black magic but with the high white magic and um to really get into a place where I am in my life, in a place of flow with other energies around me. And, um, and that's what the hiking has really done, is it's really helped me to, to tune into my body and really get it to a physical state that, you know, at 70 to, you know, it would be very difficult if I was starting from scratch, but if it was, you know, it gets me into a state where I'm so, quote, naturally high from the hike, mm. dealing with the um, low oxygen levels at those elevations and the mind game that, that low oxygen levels play on you. It's pretty intense um, unless you know what it, you know, unless you train yourself to go through it and train yourself to really lock in and not listen to the scatter that's going on from the low, low oxygen levels. And um, give you an experience. I was, I, I'm, a, I'm an adventurer, you know. So I go up there in the middle of snowstorms. I go up there when, you know, I, I got over the time, I picked up a lot of Arctic gear. And, you know, so I'm warm all the time. It's like, it's not cold, you know, it's like layers on. I got like five layers on because it can blow up there, you know, 30, 40, 50 mile winds can come out of, the, out of nowhere. And, um, and of course, when it's sub, sub, well, sub, uh, not sub zero, yeah, sub zero Celsius, but sub, but in that sort of zero range Fahrenheit, um, it's frigging cold. But you mask up and you do all of the things and, uh, you know, you, you get used to it and acclimatized to it and it becomes a way of, um, it becomes an extremely satisfying adventure. <laughs> and uh, and you know there's been times where I've got close on hypothermia. Um, there's been times where you know I've been you know one moment you're in sunshine, the next moment there's hail jump bouncing off the rocks around you. Um, the weather can change like that up there. And uh, so it's been a lot about learning to listen to the wind, learning to look at the way that the clouds are forming learning how the clouds move between the um, Mauna Loa and Mauna Kea, which are about 40, 50 miles apart, I guess. And it's kind of like you get the perspective of one, where are my hands here, yeah, of, of one peak to the other. There's like a Mauna Kea, Mauna Loa, are essentially, there's, I think there's like 80 feet difference in the, in the elevation. So you get like this perspective of where you are, very different than if you were on just one volcano or one mountain looking around you can you can get this perspective and <clears throat> and then of course we get the lava flows coming out and we get all of that drama here that's in the birthing of the um land that's continuously happening around us and that's um very very exciting and you know the energies because of its lava and because of the you probably know this but lava is um is a very good um, rock or when it's ground down, it's very good for growing plants mm. um, because it's paramagnetic. 
And um, so it brings energies into the soil, which is very different than you get in, you know, a normal alluvial or um, sedimentary rock or type of soils in there too. And, um, and because of that, there's, um, because of that electromagnetic spectrum that's in the rock, the plants are, um, it makes them easier to upfold different, um, the, their chemistry in terms of upfolding the, the, um, the elements out of the soil. And uh, we live on a, basically we live on rock. We have very little topsoil where we are. And um, we've been building um, beds for plants and greenhouse for, for growing vegetables and stuff. So it's come to a point now where essentially a large, large part of our vegetable um, nutrition comes off the land, as well as we have like 50 cacao trees. So we have like, and that's, isn't that oh. makes chocolate, right? Um, and what else? What a place to live. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, chocolate and coffee. I. What else do you need? Right. Um, right. <laughs> in our lives. You know, it's funny. Have you found that? So, lots to unpack. One of the things that came to mind is, you know, what just was the impetus for you to start hiking like that? What was uh, uh yeah good question i think okay bottom line uh, shortly after i got hiking what it was was like i was aware that things were drastically wrong on the planet and what i've been doing all my life is doing a lot of my own interpersonal development and designing of new tools for healing like uh, the sound healing environment right behind me um which i worked with and then trained facilitators and that came through lucid dreams in the late 80s and um so my my goal there was when i took over the research of a dr randall bear and his research academy starcrest academy um in 1987 uh, when i took over that research it was his purpose and mine as it as i adopted to really develop these tools and refine these technologies a lot and i had the background from the engineering um from being able to go into dream state and look at situations and ask and receive um and use that and use that uh connection to 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 explore how to do things in a different way. And um, I was on, I was, back in the day when I was at, uh, I was at beginning at university, I took a degree in, in mining engineering. I was rallying, I was building my own cars and I was really good at driving, I got lots of cups. But what I did was I tore my cars apart and put them back together. I was intuitively able to do that just out of, I don't know where. Or I do know where, but it was I got out, not because somebody was. Oh, I read a book. Well, back then there was hardly anything on it. There was no internet, right? <laughs> Can you imagine a world without an internet, Jr.? <laughs> I have. Um, I I grew up in the night, like my formative years was eighties and nineties. So I went through the whole. My Google address, my Gmail address, is actually an invite for when they were launching Gmail, and they were doing invites. Well, so I am right. older than Google. <laughs> I, am, I remember <laughs> when it came out. I remember I my big thing was Yahoo. Like when I started doing things, I was on AOL and 
um, Netscape when right? before they, yeah before they did all the things um, dial up definitely um, yeah <laughs> my family did not have a computer in the house until after I graduated high school so you know just uh I, I definitely remember it, and it is weird now I can't imagine growing up with cell phones you know right. knowing how it it affects my life right my cell phone's in my hand my cell phone's in my lap right now for goodness sakes and it's probably not far from me nowhere where i'm at because right i'm so you said the thing you know i'm a I, i've been trained like pavlov dogs you know we check our messages <laughs> i think oh my goodness i gotta right. check it so you know it, it's been i totally understand the joys of being able to look up something and the challenges that that brings when you have everything in front of you that you could possibly right. think about like oh i need to know more about sound healing i mean just blah blah and it's going to come up and it's probably gonna be some of your research oh because i i have actually uh researched sound healing a little bit um and so what do you think Sound healing is such a fascinating topic to me because I believe that it is the secret that we're not using in our current medical technology. Um, and the more I research it, my both my parents deal with cancer, both my parents um, and my father, actually, he the last time he was treated, he was treated with sound. So it was interesting. They actually broke up some stuff using sound therapy. What do you think it's right. it's going to take for people to really take that seriously? That's a very involved question. Pre-COVID, I would have given a different answer. Post-COVID, this is what my answer is. And I don't like and what I'm about to say, I want to say with humility. Um, with some sadness and regret. Uh, because what has definitely happened is that the indoctrination that's now so easy for them to manipulate to us through these cell phones, which are monitoring us, monitoring us. 24/7 and there were it, it, and I don't want to go into the religion stuff but you know it's kind of like that 666 mark of the beast thing and here we are it wasn't stamped in us we willingly carried around in our pocket and you know when you look at the blue light that's coming off and the way that dumbs down consciousness because of melatonin lack of melatonin production um I was up to 2:30 working on my videos last uh, last night you know i had three hours sleep or something and it took me a long time to get to sleep simply because i'm being in front of the screen that that, that was probably a six hour stint right and um as i lay there i could i could i was monitoring how my brain was chattering you know it was still very much alive 
because of the blue light that comes off the screen. This morning we had an extraordinary sunrise and it was beautiful orange. So you have all of those deep red, red light that activates turns when you get them in the eyeball, it activates the receptors in the eyeball, it turns on the production melatonin, it turns on um, different uh, hormones that make you up, wake you up. <laughs> and um, cortisol in this case. And um, so getting back to the sound healing and, and how it is and what, what we can do now with it. You see the whole nature of sound has been obscurated by different writers that have been working for the three-letter organizations in order to um, hold us in a belief system around sound and sound healing that is actually not true and very limiting. The um, When you look at, you know, the Tibetan or the Indian and the Chinese too in their relationship to sound. If you look at the research that was done back in the 30s and some of those hidden movies that were made of them lifting rocks up with sound, you know, levitating rocks. It gives us some clues as to what's really going on at the subatomic level within our within our matrix that we are made out of right that we are connected to that outside realm and we're crystallized in this body and <clears throat> my investigation with sound was uh was to create a sound environment whereby you both hear the music but you really feel it and because what I wanted to do with that was to get that cymatic print through the body, that evolving cymatic print that happens with music. And it's very different to the effect that you get with a single note, you know, 432 hertz or whatever, whatever note you want to apply. And what people don't realize, and of course those three-letter CIA, you name it, writers that have been hiding this information from us what you don't realize is that the it's the pattern of the sound it's the changing patterns of the sound that really create the movement in the body but if you just blast a frequency or you just hold your consciousness that it has to look this way gabam you've lost the connection that is trying to feed us conspiring to manifest our goals and our vision for us and so that's what i've been doing is like when i started working with the sound work it became very complicated because what was happening was uh, we had because the environments were relatively so intense to one's normal um, experience with sound or personal transformation or therapy at at any level, the um, there were a lot of things going on for people, kind of like the craziness that happens at the high altitude with your mind. Um, I have friends who are climbers um, that have been climbing all roped up on a, on a face going up, 
And uh, one of the guys turned on them, just went crazy, wanted to kill them, his other two people that were roped to him. And um, that's how crazy that stuff can get. Well, within the sound environments, sometimes that sort of um, uh, that aspect of the personality of that person was elicited. So we had to. So what we did, what what was the magic of that is that the way that the sound was sculpted, and that's where the sacred geometry research came in, which I did a lot of. I, I mean, still doing. Um, so it's like forty blah blah years. Um, is to create the environment that would naturally facilitate not holding a not holding a pattern, which is like a pyramid thing, but would change and integrate what was going on in the energy field in or in and around the person. So I'm talking about the auric field that we would normally talk about, and the way that the sound is parabulating, which is moving through the body, and it's very complex and very beautiful. One thing that you that I discovered was that at sometimes during those sessions, like give an extreme example, there was a I forget his name, but he was a very well known motorcycle racer. So he'd taken many many vicious falls, right, and um, broken broken most of his bones, and. During that session, I warned him that they might pop up, that you're going to be feeling the pain of the break. And that was the cellular, that was that memory that was locked in that scar tissue from those different accidents. And during that session, he was, um, he did experience that. But what it was doing was relieving that stress that was over that fracture and or in those tendons associated with it, with that bone. And what we what what then became apparent was that we have different tissues in the body, and they have different densities. So as the densities in the bone are much uh, heavier, the um, sound moves a lot quicker. And then when it comes into the soft tissue around, you know, the bones or the tendons or into the organs, it moves very much slower. So you get this compression. You get this compression tension, compression tension always happening with each sound wave. So some of those sound waves will naturally resonate with the longer bones, and some of them will resonate with the smaller bones, right? And so you get through music, and it, it, it needs to be music. It's through music because there's changing chords and uh, changing chords and patterns that are happening in the music, and as that music lifts you there's a change in your mental states and your awareness states and your quote spiritual states and um so the sound healing is an incredible tool for very quickly taking individuals through um through their process it can be used for you know deep deep psychotherapy type work which i've done a lot of um, through to very, very creative work in terms of like writing music or writing a book or examining different situations in your life. Because, because in that deeply relaxed state that you get in that, in those sound healing environments, you can really quickly um, connect in with that 
of a world that we always are connected to. But because we're so busy watching my cell phone, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, we forget about it, right? <laughs> and uh, so it's like um, you've got like this dance that's going on in them. And so I'm going to just move the camera for a moment and show them and show you guys. So this here is the sound environment that I called actually the Dreamweaver. And the shape there is called a dodecahedron. Now that is a kind of, that's one of the five platonic solids. And the five platonic solids correspond to the different elements. And you probably know this, or some of your viewers know this. So each of those solids has a very specific way that it orchestrates um, energy and actually crystallizes energy. If you look at rock crystals, it crystallizes and holds them in certain patterns. And so we have the tetrahedron, which is the triangle shape, which is the element fire. The cube or the, um, is the element earth. The, um, the tetrahedron, excuse me, the octahedron is the element air. And the icosahedron is the element water. And this dodecahedron behind me, which is actually gold-plated, the dodecahedron is the element ether. So it's the etheric realm that I was really wanting to um, stretch out into, to get even more connected into. And, um, and that ties in with the high altitude hiking, because with the higher we go up, the less air in a given volume, and the more of that ether or the air energy is available in that given volume. And um, so it's been actually part of my my explosion up there, and it's what I'm writing about is is a book called High Attitude Hiking the Hawaiian Manas, and um, it's about personal development, but it's also about the stories and the musings that I had on I don't know hundreds over well over a hundred. Um, solo hikes up there and you get this place that you can really think and really be and really be at peace and you've got this amazing vista around you always Um, you can see for hundreds of miles up there um, all the way to Oahu at times which is like 200 miles away Um, you can see the clouds over Oahu and um, so you've got like this space that's reminded me actually of Africa. You know, you're in the middle of the Sahara for days and days and days and days, weeks actually traveling across the Sahara and every night camping out under the stars. And it's so amazing. It's like, you know, places in, 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 in the South, yeah, in Arizona and in, and in the deserts in California. Um, you've got this space around you that is so extensive and you realize how tiny you are relative to the universe, you know? (laughs) And so with the music stuff though, or the sound healing stuff, what we did was I cataloged these sessions, thousands of thousands of sessions. And being the scientist engineer that I am, um, I mapped them all out. And then I began to realize that there were certain core things that were happening during those sessions. And <clears throat> when I mapped out and graphed out the, the results of people, because I asked them on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling? 
Um, how's your stress? How's your pain? How's, how, how emotionally are you feeling? You know, there, there were different elector scales that I, that I marked going into the session and coming out of the session. And that gave me a, a you know, um, it gave me a perspective on what happened on individual sessions or a course of, quote, treatments or sessions. And here's one of the things that happens in the course of sessions is that um, <clears throat> supposing you have a pain level or supposing you have an issue or pain level, it doesn't really matter. But whatever level that you're in at, at, the, at in the moment, so supposing you've got chronic back pain. Mm -hmm. And you're used to having chronic back, chronic back pain. And, you know, you might give it a level of pain that day of, say, a five, something in the middle, right? It's a reasonably good day. Now, after a series of sessions, that whole scale that you're measuring, because the pain now is reduced significantly, after a series of pain, you might still have be having a five day, but relative to what you had a month ago or two months ago, it's like half or a quarter of the scale. So there's this way that we adapt in our own selves to the environment, to what's going on in our own bodies. We kind of dumb it down because it, relatively speaking, you know, I've had a lot of chronic pain. Relatively speaking, I might be having a good day or a bad day. But when you start to heal, then that whole scale shifts. And that was very interesting to understand that. Um, because I would be asking them, well, uh, I'd look at my notes from the first session and it'd be like, oh, you came in as a five, right? And now two months later, a lot of things would have happened for that client. They would have tidied up, up that space. They would have tidied up their life. They would, they would have tidied up their nutrition. They would have tidied up their exercise. And now that suddenly they can begin to move around because they don't have that, that scale of back pain. They may still be saying, I'm a five, but I say relative to when you started, where are you? And you go like, oh, I'm at a two, you know, less pain, way less pain. So there were a lot of things that I discovered in doing a series of sessions with people, um, both on the mainland, mostly on the East Coast, uh, but also when I was uh, in London for a couple of years, I had client, lots of clients there. And interestingly enough, the... The place that I rented in London was on King's Road, but it was right on this energy line that comes up from Winchester and Salisbury Plain, the, and uh, where the um, Stonehenge is. And so there's a lot of energy gridding that's in the planet. And there's a lot of geometry with those energy grids that are locked into the planet. And when churches and different uh, cathedrals and different power spots in North American Indians, et cetera, et cetera, are located on those power spots, on those hot spots. And of course, Mauna Loa and Mauna Kea, especially Mauna Loa, is an extraordinary hot spot because when you're standing up there at the summit or in the caldera, you're only less than a mile away from huge pockets of molten lava. Yeah. And um, so that's what I was doing a lot of when I was going up there was praying, connecting into that lava and asking to sort of engineer into the energies of the earth and also really targeting people that I knew, different people that were in places that could make a difference to the planet right now, especially after COVID hit. And um, because I was 
already privy because of the research I've been doing over the decades, I was already privy to the germ theory myths. And we can dive deep on another program on that. But it's like there's there's a lot of myth in this upside down, ridiculous world that we live in and uh, all that we think we're living in. <laughs> and but the real beauty of the world is that it's a beautiful place. And um, yeah, so that's a little window into the sound healing world. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Benedict, actually, we went over. And I could probably talk to you for about another two hours because your work is fascinating. It's just fascinating. Thank you. What? So I we got that you're uh, doing the book. What's the new podcast over? Uh, new podcast on? What is the topic? What? Where so, can they find you? Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. Um. The best place to find me is, is benedicthoward.com. And um, that's what I'm focusing on because I'm not focused on the social media so much anymore because it's just a rat's nest. You know, you're all over the place. And um, so I'm just saying right now I'm re, re, you know, actually it was a Tony Robbins event just a few months ago, which got me out of this closet because I've been shut down for the work I've been doing in the past. Um, the podcast that I'm working on now, which will be launching the podcast January the 1st, is called Fallacy and Idiocracy. <laughs> so it's about the falsehoods and the idiocrats, the idiots that are ruling us right now. So it's about looking for solutions to all of the lies that we've been perpetrated through education and indoctrination, generational indoctrination through all of the so-called schooling and university levels that you go to, which is total bullshit, and um, how they've really snatched us away from the land and creating our own lives and living self-sustainably at peace um, with one another. My bottom line to all of the work that I've been doing is do no harm. Because I believe out of doing no harm, that's where love can bloom. And that's the definition to me of love is not doing harm to myself or to others. And then love is a natural thing that's going to happen. The problem with like the word love is it doesn't express what it is that creates love. And I think we get a lot lost in that aspect when we're looking at other things which we think are lovely, but actually in the long run, that maybe that nutrition and too much sugars or whatever the too much fats um you know that's 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 holding us back the other thing i'm working on which is actually the main reason why i launched the podcast is because i'm writing a book and i'm very excited about this it's called high attitude hiking the hawaiian manas and as i said before it's about the musings that i had whilst writing up there and it's it includes that, but it includes some of the tips that I've been learning through the sound healing work. And then in the last uh, two decades, working with electrical medicines, which are even more important than the sound healing work. But they dovetail together because the sound healing work is really about vibrating electromagnetic spectrums in the tissues. And the, and the electrical healing is really about charging up the batteries in the cells so that the chemi chemistry in the cells can function optimally it's fascinating just I, I, like i said i could talk to you for another hour easily without even thinking about it because i 
the research you've done, the life that you lived, it, it's it, it's amazing. And I thank you for being one of those pioneers and one of those people that stepped away from your mundane, you know, stepped out of the corporate, stepped out of the, the trap, you know, and I right. think that we get trapped and, right. and, and start really doing the work so that we could be there. Right. You know, right. Truly be there. Truly be yeah. there. Because right. without you, yeah. I couldn't, I wouldn't be where I am without the work that you've done. So thank you. Just thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're very um, welcome, JP. So I will have you on. Uh, we are starting a new podcast here at the True Awesome Network also uh, called Tuesday Talks, where we're going to have topics each week that has, um, and we are going to have a couple different people on. If you are a member of the Freedom Creators uh, United community over on Facebook, you'll be able to ask questions or on YouTube. Um, you'll be able to ask questions uh, to our experts, and I would love to have you on one of those. I'll send you information um, very, very soon. And let's do it. Yeah, I, I you're fascinating. I thank you, thank you. Definitely check out his his website. Check out his research. Just amazing. Thank you all for being here today, and I will see you guys all next week. <laughs> nice. Mahalo. Thank you for watching the Creative Nomad Show. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, check out creativenomadshow.com. There is also a link at the bottom if you are an awesome creator and would like to be a guest. Know that you are loved. Everyone here at the True Awesome Network asks you to please subscribe. Like, comment, and spread awesome.